0: and the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Show. Okay, you guys, on the line again, I have our good friend Dennis Marburger, and he's just been a great friend of the show for, I don't know, 20 years or something like that, and a good friend of mine, and he's an Armenian-American, and he's upset as can be about what's going on in what's called Artsakh, or Nagorno-Karabakh, which is... An Armenian enclave inside Azerbaijan as the borders have shaken out in the post Cold War world here. And as we discussed on the show a few weeks ago, the Azerbaijanis had launched a major assault. As we covered for the last year or so uh, on the show with Dennis, they had uh, instituted a much tighter siege and, um, and, you know virtually closing the so-called humanitarian corridor through there and all that and now matters are much worse um welcome back to the show dennis how are you sir
1: thanks scott uh doing 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 well but as you say uh the news from Artsakh is disastrous um it it was or is an independent republic um and and what was left of it this the um what was then the surviving unoccupied remnant was was totally surrounded by annexationist Azerbaijani aggressors, and after starving the people there for about ten months and doing different things to debilitate their situation, um, in addition to that starvation blockade, Azerbaijan launched on September nineteenth indiscriminate shelling of Artsakh military and civilian areas they sent infantry and i think armor too but in, infantry following the uh, shelling uh, across it, into the territory the small Artsakh defense army which is it was outnumbered and outgunned by huge amounts uh, fought very bravely for about a day day and a half and, th- and then finally it became clear it was just um, it, w- it was it was futile and and since the Azerbaijanis as is their practice, which they deny, but has been documented. They, they were attacking the civilian areas as as well as the, um, where the military troops were. And um, so they, so they surrendered. There were some areas that were cut off and, and um, surrounded and people weren't sure what was going on there. It's worth noting that one of the first things that they did in this assault was to knock out uh, many of the uh, communications and monitoring facilities and uh, so the concern is that uh, atrocities may have been committed in areas where it wasn't uh, where people couldn't monitor them or, or, or verify. So there there have been some stories that have come up from people that came from those areas, but I, that's not been verified yet. So we can't say that for sure happened, but it would be consistent with past practice. But so the, the, the end result of all this is that a few days ago, uh, there was um, basically an exodus. There's no other way to describe it. Roughly 120,000 people. That's all that was left, but they were there men, women, children, elderly. Um, they left that area through the Lachine corridor in a very arduous trip where they, they reported sometimes they, the cars would move for a couple of minutes and they'd stop for an hour or two, move for a couple of minutes, stop for, and what was normally a two hour drive became like 50 hours, but it looks like they got virtually everybody out there. There were a few left. There were a few uh, infirm people that are still there. And so they're trying to get them evacuated. But this is an area like we talked about before, Scott, for millennia uh, as Armenian. And, th- and this area that, that hadn't been occupied yet um, had very low Azerbaijani population. It was never part of, actually, it was never part of Azerbaijan, not not of the sovereign Azerbaijan. It never was. So it wasn't really politically inside Azerbaijan. But then um, they've they just taken it and Ali have, uh rationalized it with his lies. And um, now the the thing that people are working on the most is to try to get help for these 120,000 people uh, that were forced out of their homeland.
0: And so this is essentially, and if I hear you right, and if I understood what I had read in the New York Times and their coverage of this, that this is essentially it. When you're saying, you know, there's nobody left, it's at the infirm. That's, you mean in the entire area all of the armenians have now been cleansed and forced through this corridor into armenia itself is that correct other than just yes. the very uh, oldest people uh, left behind
1: right there's just some infirm and of course um, you know dogs cats and some some you know animals yeah because all you could take you just had to get what you could quickly and get in the car and and uh, and go
0: well but so what are the greatest humanitarians in the world The American State Department saying about this, Dennis?
1: Oh, well, okay. Five days. It's very interesting. You should ask that, Scott, because five days before this assault was launched. The acting assistant secretary of state, I believe her name is Yuri Kim, was testifying to a Senate committee. And she testified that the United States would not tolerate any additional Azerbaijani aggression against Artsakh Nagorno-Karabakh, that whole thing. And those words are made a mockery. She's She, I think, visited Armenia. I think she was there with um, Samantha Power. Oh, and she's another one. Uh, uh, U.S., uh, what, the Agency for International Development. And Samantha Power made a name for herself saying, oh, genocide is terrible. We have to prevent genocides. Not a word. While well, this was going on. She wouldn't even acknowledge that it was ethnic cleansing, much less genocide. Okay, you know. Um, and so there has been, Scott, as we talked about before, U.S. financial support for Azerbaijan and, and for Aliyev and his aggression, U.S. military collaboration uh, with Azerbaijan and Aliyev and his aggression. Same thing um, with support from uh, the European Union and, and NATO. Um, and, and so um, and then all of a sudden people, are, oh, gee, there's a problem here. And this has been going on for for years and years. And, and these people have been abandoned. Yeah, And even in the last 10 months, uh, there was even at one point uh, there, were, there was a large humanitarian convoy that was these trucks that were sitting r- right by this this illegal checkpoint that Azerbaijan had set up. They just they never let him in.
0: Yeah. I mean, Dennis, in the case, of, we can always tell the difference between when the State Department is really upset versus when they're issuing some kind of pro forma statement. Uh, oh, geez, we don't like this versus when they're really serious. I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to come with threats, but the tone is always very, very clear when they mean it versus when it's coming with a wink and a nudge here, right?
1: Right, and in fact, the uh, State Department spokesman, the guy I can't remember his name now, was, uh, not Kirby, but somebody else that, that was in Washington and being uh, uh, the press were asking him these questions. Uh, I'm going to say the name was Matthew Miller, but maybe that's maybe I got the wrong guy in mind here. But anyway, uh, he wouldn't call it. Ethnic cleansing or, or, or genocide or, any, or anything like that. And there's been very much, you know, both sidesism going on at all. Oh, we wish the two sides would talk and, and 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 have dialogue instead of, well, one side is attacking and trying to destroy the other. And, and they're not willing to identify it or do anything about it. And so sort to of say that they, they should talk about it is like, it, it, it's just beyond words, just how useless and infuriating it is.
0: Yeah. Hang on just one second for me. You guys know that I consider the Defend the Guard movement, led by the combat vets at BringOurTroopsHome.us and DefendTheGuard.us, to be the most important thing happening in American politics today. Simply put, this law would nullify the empire by preventing the state governors from handing their National Guard troops over to the president for foreign combat without an official declaration of war from the Congress. We've made great progress getting it out of committee and even passed the state Senate in Arizona. Help support Bring Our Troops Home and Defend the Guard at bringourtroopshome.us and defendtheguard.us. And their director of field operations, Diego Rivera, teaches a political leadership class that is the most effective training like it anywhere. He's still a soldier, only now his mission is peace. So heads up all you anti-war vets, we've got a mission for you. Find out all about their upcoming training sessions and help support at bringourtroopshome.us and defendtheguard.us. Hey, i will Scott Horton here for the Libertarian Institute at libertarianinstitute.org. I'm the director. Then we've got Sheldon Richman, Kyle Anzalone, Keith Knight, Lori Calhoun, Jim Bovard, Connor Freeman, Will Porter, Patrick McFarlane, and Tommy Salmons on our staff, writing and podcasting. And we've also got a ton of other great writers, too, like Walter Block, Richard Booth, Boss Spleet, Kim Robinson, and William Van Wagenen. We've published eight books so far including my latest, Hotter Than the Sun, Time to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, and Keith Knight's new Voluntarist Handbook. And we've got quite a few more great ones coming soon. Check out libertarianinstitute.org slash books. It's a whole new era. We libertarians don't have the power, but we do have enough influence to try to lead the left and the right to make things right. Join us at libertarianinstitute.org. And in other words, If they really meant what they said, it would be, we are calling on the Azerbaijanis to XYZ, blah, 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 not, oh, you boys better work it out when it's being worked out with facts on the ground right now. And we know what's going on. I mean, well, let me ask you this. I only know of two excuses, no good reasons. I wonder if you know of any more. But this really just comes down to America has NSA listening stations in Azerbaijan. And they have an oil pipeline running through there. The BTC, the pipeline from hell, Ramondo called it, that runs from Baku, uh, Azerbaijan, through Tbilisi, Georgia, on to giant Turkey. in the, the port on the Mediterranean Sea there. And that's it. And that's why they don't care what happens to the people of Nagorno-Karabakh, or Artsakh, as you call it.
1: Yeah, well, and so I think the other excuse, um, those, those are uh, what you've mentioned, I, I believe, is true. And, and, of course, there's also Nord Stream. Again, uh, let's recall what happened to the Nord Stream pipeline. If, if Biden truly is the Nord Stream bomber, which some people say, uh, then he had a, an even bigger role in this than we had thought previously. Because it, with that pipeline going out, oh, now they've got to turn to the other pipeline. And ironically, of course, as you know, it's a lot of this, is it's still Russian gas that's going through to Europe, but now it's coming through Azerbaijan. So so Aliyev gets uh, a taste of it, you know, so that it bol- bolsters him and gives him more money. So it, it's really a rotten thing. But I think the other thing, too, is there's geopolitical. Uh, some people are saying, oh, yeah, well, we want to um, do something because maybe in some way this, this will harm Iran in some way. So I think then that ties into your NSA listening station thing, too. So, so, there, so there's some of that, that that's going on. And some people say, oh, this this somehow harms Russia. But then wait, wait. So on Iran are really following this, they'll say, well, gee, Russia seems to have, uh, you know, there were Russian peacekeepers, so-called, and they did hardly anything. I mean, they they didn't. They just saw what was going on. And some people allege that not only was Turkey really backing up Azerbaijan, as, as we know they would be, not only did Azerbaijan have all these sophisticated Israeli weapons, not just the drones, but other things, too, huge arms trade between Israel and Azerbaijan. Um, mm-hmm. And not only were sort of the U.S. and NATO and the EU that were were were, were complicit in this, uh, but Russia, uh, the, the same thing. You know, now, you know, it, it, people say he's sort of turned his back on Putin. And for a while, he's been saying, oh, we we, we want to change our geopolitical stance. Um, and people say, well, it looks like maybe the Russians said, OK, and both in words and deeds said, OK, well, here you go. Bad choice. And uh, so allegedly this was going to hurt Russia. But we know that Ali have, and Putin have been very close on some things um and as i think we said before aliyev and uh, also Erdogan in turkey they're playing both sides of that nato russia war in ukraine but so I, but i do think that there are people that will claim in fact and i i know of one in particular that he's here in michigan a former state republican party chairman who says just awful things about this and he and he tries all oh, the nagorno karabakh or they like uh, the donbass republics well the donbass republics declared independence and as americans we say hey we're separatists and we understand that and They only got into Ukraine in the first place because, you know, Lenin did an edict just like uh, Khrushchev did with Crimea and like Stalin did with Artsakh and Nakhichevan. You know, so what's, what's so sacred about that sort of thing, you know, but in the case of Artsakh, just to reemphasize for anybody that's listening, those people are not separatists. They were already independent. They were independent of the Soviet Union before it finally imploded. And before Azerbaijan itself became a sovereign state, so-called. So Azerbaijan has no uh, claim about territorial integrity over Artsakh and uh, so everything they say about it is a lie but not only that even if they did have a claim there it's up to the people to decide self-determination and and the right to alter or abolish tyrannical government we as Americans believe that that's in our DNA but but the Azerbaijani dictator the tin pot despot of course he he doesn't believe in any of that he mistreats the people in Azerbaijan terribly and of course he does terrible things to the Armenians and on top of that now they've been kidnapping and I, I'm not sure if you saw this, but they've been kidnapping and abducting um, political leaders from Artsakh and former military leaders, falsely charging them with things like terrorism or separatism. They're, they're pro- probably abusing these guys. They're probably going to try to get some sort of um, confessions, so-called, or or propaganda statements out of them. It's, it's really outrageous. And by the way, as people point out, in, in one case, it's this fellow, Ruben Vardanyan, who was close to Putin at one time. And he's, uh, Ruben Vardanyan was a very successful man. He, he could have stayed uh, out of it. And lived a very comfortable life but he went to art because he knew that the people needed uh, help and assistance and he wanted to do whatever he could now he's been illegally and immorally kidnapped by azerbaijan false charges against him and he's you know in a bad situation there uh, but you don't see anybody lifting a finger for all these prisoners plus azerbaijan's got a bunch of pow's from the earlier 44 day terror war of aggression they launched and, and um, it's it's a humanitarian nightmare and it's also a geopolitical one because what the united states has done by by winking at this and by by not enforcing Section Nine Hundred Seven, by giving him money, and the military collaboration, they're 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 growing a monster. You know, uh, John Quincy Adams says we don't go abroad in search of monsters to destroy. The United States government has gone abroad in search of monsters to grow, and Azerbaijan has been one of them. and And they can deny it all they want, but it's the truth.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, you just can't overstate the irony and the sickness. Not just a backing a dictator. But Aliyev's the son of the guy who was a KGB enforcer in the battle days and who overthrew a democratically elected president. Um, I'll say his name wrong. Elechibi or something like that. Oh, El
1: Shabay. Yeah, yeah. That guy. Uh, Right, right.
0: They overthrew him. It was British Petroleum in the MI6 overthrew him in nineteen ninety three and installed this KGB thug to replace him. And we're sitting here in twenty twenty three talking about his son, the dictator, ethnically cleansing this enclave. And this is a guy who his, his just like his father's been backed by the United States ever since then. It's the greatest of outrages. It's just unbelievable.
1: It's and you're and look, right, Scott. and it in it, for it the is, money.
0: It's not for the money. What's the point of the BTC pipeline? The point of the BTC pipeline is that it doesn't go through Russia. That's the entire point of all of this. Why does Azerbaijan matter to America? Because it matters to Russia, and so we want to keep it away from Russia. Simple as that.
1: Yep. That And, and I think the anti-Iran thing is another part of it. And, um, right. and and then the, um, you know, the, the general. Right, I wanted to ask
0: you about that. You mentioned you mentioned um, it's being said that the Iran that the Iranians are benefiting from Azerbaijan's uh, victory over the Armenians here. Uh, can you elaborate about that? Is because well, they're fellow Shiites.
1: Yeah, well, I actually. Yeah, that, that is it, an interesting point. Uh, be, before the 44 day terror war in 2020, uh, a lot of folks thought the Iranians um, were. More likely to, to lean towards the Armenians, and there could have been a couple of uh, several reasons for that. Now the Iranians themselves have said, "So here's the other thing we're talking about Artsakh." I mean, Aliyev isn't stopping here; he's planning on ta- he's planning on invading Armenia. That's what he wants to do. He, he, oh, he. so the, the, this the, this is, problem is growing, and the Iranians have, have previously told them, "Don't do that. If you do, we'll attack you." And they've got a lot of military weaponry they've developed at home over that. Uh, and, and so now the the Iranian government has has um, so they talk about the territorial integrity of Armenia, which which Ali doesn't care about. He he uses territorial integrity as a propaganda point. He doesn't care about that. Um, so the Iranians have said that, which would be sort of a pro-Armenian thing. Then they, sometimes they said, oh, yeah, well, Azerbaijan, uh, you know, liberated their own territories, which is not true. But uh, on the other hand, maybe they say, well, this guy was the winner, you know, and they're, so they're trying to play the diplomatic game or whatever. So I, but I, I don't think they, they look at it like they benefited from this, uh, actually, Scott, and they do not want. From everything I can tell, they do not want Turkey and Azerbaijan to take the southern part of Armenia called Sihanouk and, and linking up. They they want to maintain uh, that route uh, through Armenia, and they don't want uh, Ar- Armenia to be destroyed. They don't want uh, Azerbaijan and Turkey taking all that over. But the American government or the United States government, not the American people, of course, but the United States government uh, m- might look at that differently. And, you know, a lot of times, um, as you know, you know, talking to Gareth Porter and, and other experts on this. Um, there's been so much uh, false uh, narrative about Iran and, and the Iranian nuclear program and all the different geopolitical aspects that that has, including, you know, vis-a-vis Israel and, you know, the United States government and that sort of thing, uh, that maybe there are people in the U.S. government that that see this, and I think they do, as, as a way to hurt Iran. And the people that uh, will suffer be damned from, from the standpoint of, of the uh, savages and business suits in Washington, D.C.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, that's how they always see that. All right. Listen, man, I'm so sorry to cut you loose right now, but I'm so behind schedule here. I absolutely have to run. But um, first of all, I'm very sorry, um, but very appreciative for your time and uh, for the update here, Dennis.
1: Well, thanks, Scott. You're welcome. I understand you got to run just real quickly. Folks, if you would like to donate to help the humanitarian situation, uh, one group that's very good is the Armenian Missionary Association of America. You study them. And if you're so moved, uh, feel free to donate to help the, the people that are in great need over there.
0: Good deal. All right. Thank you very much, man. Really appreciate it, Dennis.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Scottie. Bye bye.
0: The Scott Horton Show, Anti War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, APSradio.com, Anti War.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.